Why don't we lift our hands and our voices and love Jesus Christ right now? We've come to give you glory today, Lord. We've come to give you glory today, God. Come on, why don't somebody lift him up? Why don't somebody lift up Jesus? I lift you up today, Lord. I've come to glorify you. I've come to magnify you. Oh, God, come on, let's praise him right now. He's worthy of all of the praise. I'm going to praise him for his excellence. I'm going to praise him for his mighty acts. I'm going to praise him for his healing. I'm going to praise him for his provisions. I've come to praise you today, Lord. Somebody ought to give him some high praise right now. I've come to lift you up. I've come to lift you up. Oh, God, I love you today, God. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege it is to be in uh, this peak service. And I am so uh, honored that uh, they've even asked me to just be a part of it. Uh, it all looked real good until I seen my name. And it didn't look near as good as it was looking. And uh, I appreciate uh, these men on this uh, youth board, this youth council. And I appreciate them so very, very much uh, in having faith in me. I want to salute uh, the visionaries of the WPF, uh, Brother Johnny Godair, Brother Crawford Coon, Brother Floyd Odom, Brother Nathaniel Wilson, Brother Larry Booker, Brother Kenny Godair. I salute these visionaries of the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship. These are men who wanted a safe, no Hollywood environment for this generation. Let's give these men a good hand clap. Thank you, elders. Thank you so much. And then to give honor to this youth council, the youth department, who is headed up by Brother uh, Joel Booker. And uh, I, I respect Brother Booker so very much. And especially after hearing him preach last year at Peak, it was just off the charts. God bless Brother Booker. The youth department is in good hands, being overseen by this incredible preacher and great man of God. And all of these other men, Brother Smith, Brother Jackson, Brother Buxton, Brother Williams, Brother Urshan, Brother Wilbanks, and Brother Kelly, God bless y'all so much for all of the time that y'all spend uh, preparing everything for peak conferences and other things that the youth are doing. What a tremendous Bible message we heard last night. My brother Nathan Holmes. To be honest with you, after I heard Brother Nathan Holmes preaching about throw it out the window, I went back to the hotel last night and I'm staying on the 11th floor. I looked out the window and considered jumping out the window, <laughs> just knowing that I had to follow Brother Holmes. But uh, it's a privilege to be here. Looking forward to the ministry of Brother Phil Andrus and Brother Paul Deeds and Ron Tiller. Going to, a lot of good things is going to happen. The good news is, 
if I do make a mess, there are those that are coming after me that I'm not worthy to unlatch their shoelaces. And so they're going to fix everything I mess up today if I do mess something up. I want to give honor to my mother. She's not here. She's 83 years old. If she can figure out how to work her smartphone, she's listening to me right now. She was a godly woman that brought me to the house of God. I was about four years old, five years old. The first time I felt an urge to go to an altar and pray. I remember going to the altar that day. And uh, I, I, I couldn't kneel down at the big people altar. So uh, I've never had a problem with being too tall. And uh, so you know how it was when I was five. It was really sure enough bad. And I just kind of propped up against the side of the altar. and But I cried and wept that day because I felt something in the Holy Ghost. My Bible says, blessed is the man that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. It's a blessing to want the things of God. It is a blessing to want the things of God. Praise God. Thank you, Mama. My dad has passed away in just a few days. This Saturday will be 20 years ago. My father, who was a pastor, passed away. My in-laws, brother and sister Cox, I'm sure they're listening today. They're not able to be here. They have been such a positive impact in my life. I've been uh, married into this family for 28 years. They've been a blessing. My family, my wife, my wife is a godly woman. Somebody told me, that if it kind of bogs down, just throw the microphone to my wife and she'll pull it out. And uh, she's a praying woman and uh, she's probably more nervous than I am right now. But uh, she is a praying woman. I'm so glad she's here. My children, Bethany, Benjamin, Rebecca, Brianna. I love my family. And then something that I love very dearly is my church family. First Apostolic Church of Tulsa. Praise God. I'm so glad they're here today. Men told me they were taken off work to come hear me preach. Man, I'm telling you, I think they've come to peaks of what I was thinking. They hear me preach all the time, but I'm glad they're here. Thank you, First Apostolic. And then what an honor, what an honor to greet the most important, the most important group of young people on the planet. Praying, Holy Ghost field young people what a privilege what a privilege to get to stand in front of you today I love what I'm seeing I was so excited last night when brother Holmes began to touch on some very needed things to be talked about talked about dress code talked about television and Hollywood and games and and then to watch people come out of the out of the balcony and out of their seats and crowd the platform hungry for God what a privilege to be in front of you young people that love God praying young people let me tell you something prayer is the most powerful tool that God ever gave us because when you pray anything can happen when you pray the sick are healed when you pray the demon possessed is delivered powerful I don't want to neglect the most powerful thing that God gave me prayer 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 praise God you may be seated and after preaching somewhere around 6,500 times in my ministry and after 
35 years of ministry, I feel like today that I have come to one of the most important assignments that's ever been given to me. And uh, a few days ago, I was riding around town and I was praying and one of my children said, Dad, why are you so nervous about Peak? You've been preaching a long time. The reason I'm so nervous about Peak, because what I am standing in front of today is the future. I am standing in front of future preachers. I'm standing in front of future missionaries. I'm standing in front of preachers' wives, future preachers' wives. I'm standing in front of solid rock backbone for the apostolic church. I feel an urgency today. I feel an urgency today. What a responsibility God is about to place into your hands. I'm speaking to people in which God will place in position of the church that will be the leaders of the church of tomorrow that is going to take the church into the next level. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. We're not putting something into your hands that is sick, but we're putting in your hands a church that is well, a church that is capable, a church that is prepared to have mighty revival. I want to some way convey a spirit, a burden into you today that you'll be ready to do the work of God. God has got a work for us to do. I do not believe that we've had our best services. I do not believe I've preached my best message. I don't believe I've seen my best revival. I believe the best days are in front of us. But every promise and every prophecy is always conditional. I want to make sure that I'm fulfilling my part of the contract. I want to do what God wants me to do in this end of time. This is the last days. This is the end of time. Let me tell you something. Hell is nervous with the church that is alive today. Church... Uh, this church is in good shape and the devil is worried about what's going on in the church hell is making one final assault on the church and let me tell you hell is making its final assault via the youth people the young people of this generation hell is not withholding anything we are being faced with a tsunami wave of technology that has engulfed our generation we can't preach against it fast enough we can't talk about it quick enough every day they're generating some new technology Technology. I read, you can be seated, I read just a few days ago that teens spend the average of 8 hours and 56 minutes every day consuming media in front of a screen of some sort. This was reported by the Washington Post, CNN, NBC, Forbes. It shocked them when they began to do the research finding that our teens are spending almost 9 hours a day in front of some kind of a screen, whether it's a computer screen, whether it's a smartphone or a television, they're spending nine hours a day, something being fed into their spirits. The average 13-year-old child in America uh, checks on social media 100 times 
a day. We're in the tsunami of technology. It is engulfing us. Hell is making an assault. Hell is doing everything that it can to distract you and to get into your spirit. I want you to be careful. When you pick up your phone and you look at it and you begin to play on the internet, be careful because you're the church of tomorrow. You're the future church. I feel a burden to talk to you today. It's time for us to become stirred about the hour and the day that we're living in. Everything has become so easy. Everything is right at your fingertips. When you have a smartphone, everything is right there. I'm not here to preach against them. I got one. As a matter of fact, a few days ago, I was sitting in a doctor's office waiting on a doctor's appointment. I was sitting there under my breath. I wasn't making a big scene, but I was praying. I I was talking to God. The Holy Ghost began to speak to me. And it's in the doctor's office on my smartphone. I started looking up scripture and I started making notes and I, 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 I researched things right there. Wasted time was made valuable. I'm telling you, it's not all bad about the smartphone, but what's got to happen? You got to get some spirit inside of you that gives you divine direction. Praise God. Everything is there for us. Everything. The good, the bad, the pretty, the ugly, it's all there. I'm reminded of Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities. He said it was the best of times, it was the worst of time, it was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness, it was the light, uh, the season of light, the season of darkness, the spring of hope, the winter of despair. We had everything before us and we had nothing before us. That's the hour that we're living in. We've got everything in front of us or we may have nothing in front of us. I don't know how you feel, but in this end of time, I've made up my mind. I'm not for sale. I made up my mind. I'm going to get rid of some things. I'm going to throw some things out. I'm going to do away with some things. I come to you today with a burden in my spirit. I'm preaching to God's mighty army, the youth of North America that has been trained and equipped to work in the harvest of the world. But let me remind you in this end time, in the time of the harvest of the world, God has allowed us to become powerful, but yet hell is making another assault and hell has created so many distractions in your life. There is a spirit of hell that wants to destroy you. There's a spirit of hell that wants to take you down. Hell has created so many distractions. I come to you today to reach into the flames. I'm trying to pull somebody out of hell. I've not come here to whistle Dixie in your ears. I've not come to play games today. But I feel a burden in my spirit to preach to this church, to preach to this youth conference, to preach to these young people. Yeah. I said to preach to the church, this is the church of the future. This is where the church is going. This is the hands that the church is going to land in. Get something deep in your spirit. I'm not a fake. This is not a facade. I'm not playing games. I've got a real genuine relationship with God.
You can be seated. There are those of you that are in the crossroads or at the crossroads of life. You're in the transition time. Some of you are moving from school age, moving into the workforce. This is a complicated time of life. I know going through school, living for God is a complicated time. We've got young people in our church that survived the school age. We kept them prayed through going to school. But when they move out into the workforce they're being exposed to things that they never even knew existed that's when you've got to make up in your mind I'm going to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling if mama don't go it's not going to hinder me if my daddy don't want to do it it's not going to hinder me it's all about my salvation I'm going to work it out I'm going to cry my way through it I'm going to travail my way through it. I'm going to pray my way through it. And on this, on this Thursday morning session, I feel a burden today. I feel a burden because I'm preaching in this conference and there are people that will never pass this way Again, the setting will never be exactly the same as it is right now. This is a one-shot deal. This is only one time that we have to reach for you. Some of you will never walk this way again. Some of you will never, ever come back to peak. This is the only trip you're going to make unless the Holy Ghost works a miracle in your life. There are those of you that made great sacrifices to be here. There are some of your families that paid hard-earned money for you to be able to take the trip and to come to peak because there was parents that said they really need something special from God and if they could get the peak conference something incredible is going to happen I feel that burden today that's what I'm preaching with right now I feel the pressures of hell I feel the pressures of heaven I feel heaven's reaching I feel hell is reaching I feel I've got to do my job help me preach some of you are sitting here today and you're looking around when I talked about you'll never be back you look around some of you are sitting here and friends that you came here with last year they're not here I don't know where they're at maybe they're in the world they may be in the cemetery I don't know where they're at but this is an important day this is an important hour there are spirits that are working in this place I wish I could tell you the only thing present is what the natural eye sees but let me remind you that there are spiritual battles that is being fought right now heaven is saying I want them saved I want them to get the goods heaven is saying I want them to pray through but hell is saying no no I've got my hands around them I'm going to strangle them I'm going to stifle their opportunity to be saved You can be seated. I read a story here a while back. The name Osama bin Laden. I'm sure that is a name that is, is very, uh, uh, very well known to everybody in this meeting today because of this wicked man and his crazy beliefs. He has caused so much terror to fall upon the world. 
And when I mention Osama bin Laden, probably most of the people in this place, immediately there was the numbers 911 that probably popped in your mind when I mentioned Osama bin Laden, the man that was behind that horrible day in America history. And, and Osama bin Laden was a man that that was in his 50s and and uh he he was raised as a billionaire's son but there was something that got in his spirit. There was something that got in his heart. And he began to hate the Western world. And, and he began to hate Christians, people that worship Jesus Christ. That's not anything new. Jesus reminded us of that during his ministry. There will come a day that you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. I don't care. They'll just have to hate me. I'm still in love with Jesus Christ. For when I mention that name, demon tremble up. When I mention that name, devils flee. There's power. There is authority in that name. Osama bin Laden was responsible on 9-11 for 2,996 people losing their lives. 6,000 people were injured. Uh, through wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, there was another 6,800 lives that have been lost because of plans of Osama bin Laden and things that he'd done to our country. So as a result of Osama bin Laden being such a negative influence to America, the FBI and the CIA began to uh, go after him. And uh, there is a term that the CIA uses it, uses, and they call it HVT. I read this story and I, I, I somehow missed the first part and uh, I overlooked the HVT, what the meaning of it was. I went back and began to research, went back to the beginning of the story. And this HVT means high value Target, high value target. This is a term that the CIA uses. This is the system that is determined who will be placed on their most wanted list. And so the CIA put Osama bin Laden on their most wanted list. He was the most wanted man in the world. The FBI for 13 years had him at the top of the list of the 10 most wanted men in the world. For 13 years, Osama bin Laden was sought after by every federal, federal agency of America and most other countries as well were after Osama bin Laden. He realized that early in this uh, beginning, he began the Al Qaeda movement in 1988, and he realized shortly thereafter in 1998 there was a planned attack that he had made. And from that point, Osama bin Laden went into hiding. There was just a small little handful of his very close associates and family. That even knew where his whereabouts were. 
For 13 years, he lived in seclusion and isolation, refusing to even have the convenience of a cell phone. He did not even have the convenience of a hardwired phone into his house. Uh, he did not even have garbage pickup into, from their compound. Instead, they burned all of their own garbage. They had no internet service. They had no telephone service. And they were totally living in an isolated compound in Pakistan. And for years, he lived here in this uh, compound and lived under total isolation and seclusion. But all of the time, he was the world's most wanted man. America put out a $25 million bounty out for the life of Osama bin Laden. The airline association offered another $2 million for the capture or the kill of Osama bin Laden. A total of $27 million. $27 million. Osama bin Laden had a, a bounty out for him. It didn't matter, dead or alive. They really want you when you're worth $27 million. Uh, Osama bin Laden for 13 years, he was on this most wanted list. He continued to operate his Al-Qaeda mission. He continued to cause terror to strike the world all across the country. He was striking targets and moving and, and he operated by carriers, carriers, close acquaintances that the Al-Qaeda uh, security had closely screened all of these carriers. That was the only way that they could take messages to other people was through these carriers. When these carriers would leave the compound, usually it would be by the cover of darkness at night. They would go sneaking out through the darkness and, and, and then when they would return, they would not just travel straight back to the compound, but they would sometimes take two or three days for a half a day's trip just to make sure that nobody was following them. These carriers, they were very well screened. They were very well trained. And this went on for years. This was the mode of operation. But all of the time, listen, Listen, for 13 years, the FBI and the CIA was not sitting in carpeted, air-conditioned offices waiting for somebody to give them an updated report on Osama bin Laden. But there was literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people out on the street. They were, they were all through Afghanistan and Pakistan, and they were searching, trying to pick up clues. They were going uh, undercover and and. and pretending as if they were part of the Al-Qaeda and they were disguising themselves. They were on a mission to find out information. Every night, these researchers all out in the field uh, acting as if they were part of Al-Qaeda, dressing the part, looking the part, and they would go home and they would report back to the CIA. And, and all of these thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of information begin to 
be collected on Osama bin Laden and it was all being stored into computers and and in and, and the uh, Central Intelligence Agency and and there was hundreds and hundreds of people literally going through the files of anything that had to do with Osama bin Laden trying to find his whereabouts there's a 25 million dollar bounty plus an extra two million dollar bonus bounty that is out for this man you've got a lot of people that are cave in for 25 million dollars you may think you got a lot of secrets in life but if there's a bounty out on your head for 25 million dollars brother you ain't got no friends 25 million i could pay this month's bills yeah i'd tell on him i can tell you that i'd be for sale <laughs> and so all of this is going on they're screening all of this information and and finally one of these one of these uh pretending al-qaeda cia agents gets into one of these prisons and they start asking questions from all of these detainees and prisoners and and they're acting like they're one of them and and then they would go in at night and they would make their reports and there was a particular name that kept popping up and and they figured out that this was one of osama's very close acquaintances one of his very close carriers and the cia was buying information as much as they could and they found out there was a common denominator that this man was attached and so they go to pakistan and hundreds and hundreds of cia agents begin to swarm this place why are they doing all this i'm going to tell you why they're doing all this because osama bin laden is an hvt that's what he is osama bin laden is a high value target he's worth whatever the president said George Bush said, whatever it takes, Osama, we're going to get you. We're coming after you. When, when Obama came on board, somehow or another, they twisted his arm, got him to say the same thing. And they kept right on just going after Osama bin Laden. This was a top priority. This was, there was, there was no rules. Just get him. It don't matter if he's dead. It don't matter if you get him alive. It don't matter if y'all saw him in half and bring him to us. Just capture Osama bin Laden. And so he was a high value uh, uh, target. And so, so finally they get in touch and they find this, this, this carrier and, and, and then they had to find him and they begin to search for him and they spent weeks and months and months from 2010 to 2011. They spent months and months trying to catch up with this man. But finally, finally they got a tail on somebody and they started surveying and started watching and put him under surveillance. There was drones flying overhead, surveillance, and this man was under 24-hour-a-day surveillance. And they watched him one day. He picks up his cell phone. You better be careful. He picked up his cell phone. You don't think nobody knows what you're talking about. You don't even think. Listen, he had been Osama's carrier for so long, and he had got so used to the job. 
And he had learned how to get away with things. He had learned how to do it under the cover of darkness. And nobody even knew what he was doing. And he got so comfortable. He just walked right out in front of a CIA agent. He didn't even know it. And he opened his little flip phone up. And he started dialing the number. And all the CIA agent had to do was just notify. He's making a phone call. And they just tapped right in. And they started listening to his phone call. And he was telling them about the plans, the future plans of attack of Osama bin Laden the CIA agent said this was the proof we've been needing we've got him we're going to follow him they followed him right to Osama bin Laden's doorsteps for 13 years they'd been waiting for this moment and now they know where he lives and now they've got the drones they're over his over Osama's compound and they start watching what goes on and they start seeing the patterns let me tell you something when you're on the run you learn to develop patterns and habits and and there was it took a little time but after a little while uh, Osama bin Laden and his carriers they got so relaxed they started making mistakes Al-Qaeda and all of its security they just started making mistakes until they led America right to his compound and they started surveilling uh, putting him under surveillance 24 hours a day they started watching him and, and they, they would watch him when he'd come out they could tell that he was a tall man and, and he was a slim man and they couldn't actually see the, the facial features of him but, but they would watch him and he would walk through the compound not where everybody else walked he didn't walk where everybody he had his own private place and he would walk out at a certain time of the day and a certain time of the morning and a certain time in the evening and and he would just walk back and forth through the compound and this one little area this was his area nobody else walked in there except this man and and they they decided this is Osama bin Laden they started setting up all kind of surveillance all around the compound they used heat-seeking cameras and they could actually penetrate through the walls and, and find the movement of where he was at. They pinpointed his bedroom. His bedroom was on the third floor. They knew what time he went to sleep. They knew what time everybody went to bed around there. They knew what time security was the most relaxed. Let me tell you something. You have an adversary, the devil, that is stalking you 24 hours a day. Everywhere you go, the devil is there. He's watching everything thing that you're doing and in a moment you can be seated in a moment when you become relaxed you better be careful hell never gets relaxed your adversary is never going to sleep the devil is looking for your weak point and by the cover of darkness they got they got four helicopters that had radar shields on them. They got, they got SEAL Team 6, Navy SEALs. It's just the elite that ever becomes, uh, that ever becomes a Navy SEAL. But Team SEAL 6 was the elite of the elite of the Navy SEALs. These are men that are dangerous. These are men that know what they're doing. These are some of these men that's killed 150 and 160 men in foreign countries during war with bare hands, some of them. I'm preaching to you today the 
devil knows his business. Don't think he's some stupid, sly old dummy over there in the corner asleep. He is always watching you. He watches you when you're in the house of God. He watches you when you're at church. He watches you when you get in your car. When you leave the house of God and you take your hand and you turn the radio knob and you tune into that station that you wouldn't tune in if the preacher was riding with you. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me, God. And so, the day came that SEAL Team 6 made their move on Osama bin Laden's house. He was a high-valued target. And we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story. The book of Luke chapter 22, verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you and to sift you as wheat. I've come today, I'm preaching to some high-value targets today. Simon, you're not just another one of the disciples. But don't you remember? Don't you remember Simon Peter? Back in Matthew chapter 16, I gave you some keys. And it's the keys to the kingdom. You've got something that the alcoholic can cause the alcoholic to be delivered. You have a power. You have an authority. You've got the keys. But Simon Peter, I'm telling you, you better get ready because hell is making one final assault on you, trying to destroy you. You're not just another one of the disciples, but you hold the keys to the kingdom. You can be seated. I'm not trying to cause any trouble today, but this is not a Joel Osteen youth convention. And this is not a T.D. Jakes youth meeting. But I'm preaching to some people that's got a revelation. I'm preaching to some young people that knows the plan of salvation. I'm preaching to young people today that knows what it takes to be saved. I'm preaching to Bible quizzers. I'm preaching to pastor's children and preacher's children. I'm 
fourth and fifth generation. I'm preaching to people that know so much about everything that's in this Bible. You would not sit here and hear somebody preach about the Trinity, but you would stand up in defiance and say, that's not biblical. They couldn't tell you that you can be saved without being baptized in Jesus' name. You have a revelation of what's in the book. You know what's in the Word of God. Simon, Simon, Simon! You're a high-value target. You're an HVT. I'm preaching to some children and some young folks that's at peak this week. I'm not just preaching to the -the run-of-the-mill status quo, but I'm preaching to young people that knows what it takes to be saved. You know how to pray. You know how to fast. You know how to walk in the Spirit. You're an HVT. You can be seated. Jesus Christ said, Simon, I'm going to tell you something. Satan hath desired to have you. You're wanted. You're wanted by hell. Hell is sending all of its forces. And they have a trick, and I know I... I, I, I'm trying to stay under 30 minutes. I've unblew that out the water. But please, please, I feel in the Holy Ghost. I won't go much longer. I promise. But I'm here. This is where it's at right now. I'm preaching to you. Simon, Satan hath desired to sift you. That shift, that sifting is, is, that sifting is a separation. It separates. That's that's all hell wants to do is just isolate you and to separate you. Let me tell you something. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Hell don't want you hanging around tongue talkers. Hell don't want you hanging around the spiritual side of the youth group. because they dance in church. They're not cool because they run the aisle. Yeah. Hell's trying to separate you from the very thing that makes you strong. You can be seated. Hell, I want you to be around that one praying young person. That one in that youth group. That is more concerned about staying at the church that night and praying. Because there was such a move of the Holy Ghost. Than going to uh, the pizza place. That ain't cool to be around them. I'm preaching to you. That's hell trying to separate you because you're a high value target. Hell doesn't care what it costs to trip you. Hell doesn't care what it costs to pull you away.
Jesus Christ spent some time preaching about hell. I'll tell you what he talked about. He said, if I, I offend thee, if I hand offend thee, cut it off. It'd be better for you to go through life with just a nub. And every time you walked up to shake somebody's hand and you stuck that old nub out, it was a reminder. I could not live for God with two hands. And so I got one hand, but it's keeping me out of hell. you if you can't live for God with two feet because you go places you should not go Jesus Christ said it would be better for you to cut one of your foot off one of your feet off just cut one of them off just cut the foot off that that'll be good just cut it off and get you some crutches or a wheelchair and when you see everybody running and playing and having a good time say I couldn't run and play and live for God but I'm in a wheelchair and I'm on my way to heaven that's what Jesus said he said if I offend thee pluck it out You looking at things you don't need to look at. Jesus said it'd be a whole lot better for you to just stick your finger up in there and pull that eye out. And every time you tried to open to see, you remember I'm one eyed, but I'm on my way to heaven. It had to be a horrible place that Jesus was talking and teaching about. He taught us there's no water in hell. He taught us that it's an awful place. He taught us there's no escape. He taught us that it's eternal, that it continues on and on and on and on. He taught us that we would have our five senses in hell. We would be able to see, hear, smell, touch, feel. We would have memory in hell according to Luke chapter 16. He remembered his five brothers when they got to hell. And so, hell... Thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I'm preaching to targets today. The devil has all kind of, you can be seated, the devil has all kind of baits and lures. To Judas it was the love of money, to Demas it was the love of the world, to King Saul it was rebellion. To Sodom it was the pride of life, idleness and fullness of bread. Hell is after everybody that I'm preaching to today. You're wanted by hell. And you are an HVT.
doesn't matter how many commandos he needs. He's got Satan's team number six. The elite of the elite that is after you. And if they need more backup, they just go back to hell and get more demons. You're the one that hell wants. Preacher, singer, musician, preacher's son, preacher's daughter, soul winner, Bible study teacher, Sunday school teacher, Bible quizzers, hope core team worker, just an encourager at the church, prayer warrior, young people, Holy Ghost field man, Holy Ghost field woman, father, mother, daughter, son, you're all wanted. The devil wants you so bad, he doesn't send just one demon to get you, but he sends legions. There's some of you that have been tempted so much. You fasted, you prayed, you've talked in tongues. You've read the Bible through. You've studied, you've taught Sunday school, you've helped the youth ministries, you've done all kind of things. But here in the last little while, it's like you're having such a tough time living for God. It's a final assault of hell. The devil wants you. You're wanted by the devil. But you're also wanted by heaven. You can be seated, and I'm closing very softly, please. There was a young man a number of years ago that was raised in a Pentecostal home. When he got in his teenage years, he backslid, had a godly praying mother. He backslid, went out in the world, moved to a large city. When he got there, there was a new environment, a little country boy coming to a big town. It's a new environment. He had so much godly potential, but he left it all. Went to the big city. Got involved in the drug world and running with gangs. It's all a new life to him. From a little country town... Running with some of the worst of the worst. Doing drug deals. Young man got to messing around with drugs himself. Before he knew it, what started out so small, he just became an all-out addict. Just a drug addict. 
he and his friends one night up to mischief got a hold of some bad drugs these drugs were laced with arsenic his friends were dying literally dying on the streets at the same time he got a hold of these bad drugs and his friends were dying back in that little country town a little country Pentecostal apostolic tongue-talking church there was an evangelist preaching and this evangelist got to preaching about the omnipresent God the God of everywhere all times and there was something got into that little apostolic woman that preacher said this God can go where you can't go and that little Pentecostal mama she started interrupting that service Roger come home Roger come home and Roger is passed out his friends are dead and all of a sudden Roger took all those bad drugs but there was a voice and it was mama's voice it sounded like mama saying Roger come home Roger woke up and he sat up and he looked all around his friends are dead they'd all took the same drug but he's hearing a voice Roger come home Roger got up he was dirty and filthy sweaty and nasty staggered a little bit and he looked in the distance and there was a little convenience store and that voice says Roger come home and he starts walking toward that store and he gets to that store and there's a telephone but Roger didn't have no money a little pay phone on the wall he went to the clerk said I really need a f- money to make a phone call could you help me the clerk opened the cash register up and gave him some coins Roger went back he put the f- coins in the phone dial tone came on but he couldn't remember the number and he heard that voice Roger come on and just kind of out of nowhere that number popped back in his head you know what number it was it was the church's number Roger called that church's number and finally somebody in the fellowship hall walked in and picked up the phone 
that old country church? Hello. And Roger said, this is Roger. Is my mama there? She is. As a matter of fact, she's out in the church screaming your name hysterically, saying, Roger, come home. A high value target that mercy had just reached for. Let me finish. You can remain standing. I'm closing. They went and picked Roger up several hundred miles away. They had him back there the next night for revival. Nobody had to twist Roger's arm because mercy had grabbed him by the hand and brought him back into the place of the holies where his train filled the temple. Nobody had to beg him to pray. Roger prayed through, talked in tongues. All of his friends died that night. Roger had an incredible testimony. That same infected drug had got into his veins. But there was a praying mama that knew how to get a hold of God. Everywhere Roger went, he told his testimony. People came to church. He started bringing them in by the dozens. People started coming to church, praying through. When they would hear his testimony, God started working things in his life. Roger became a preacher. Roger became an evangelist. Roger started traveling around all across the country, preaching, sharing his testimony. People, people, dozens and dozens of people receiving the Holy Ghost. Listen to what I'm saying. Something happened. Roger got married, evangelist, traveling all over. But he forgot where he came from. Developed a little spirit, a little attitude here, a little there. Got a toothache. Tooth become abscessed. Went to the dentist. The dentist gave him some pain meds. And in just a few days' time, Roger was an addict again. Roger, you're an HVT. You better stay aware of it. Roger died just a few months later. A terrible, tragic death. He was a high-value target. I'm looking across this sea of young people. I'm looking into faces. And you're so valuable. To the kingdom of God. 
And hell knows if he can take, if hell can take you out. If the devil can stop you. He's done so much harm to the kingdom of God. You're a target. There was a preacher's daughter. All she ever knew was church and talking in tongues. How God could supply the need. She backslid, went out in the world, had a baby. Years passes by and she's involved with another man at this point. She decides that I'm going back to church. She got hungry. Let me tell you something. Once you've drank of this, there ain't nothing out there ever going to be as good as this. When you have tasted of this, there is nothing no better. She came back to church. Said, I'm cleaning my life up. I'm going back to God. I've had it with sin. There's nothing out there for me. This is where I'm happy. She came back to church. Prayed through. Mom and daddy wept and wept and wept. My baby is back. We can rest well now. She got it. She's back in church. She leaves church that night and she calls her boyfriend up and says, we're finished. You don't like my church that my parents go to and that's the only way I'm ever going to be happy. It's over. No more of us. It's over. He said, oh no, it's not over. No, no. I'm going to come over and talk. No, I don't want to talk. You stay away. Oh, yeah, I'm coming. No, you're not. It's over. Sure enough, he shows up and knocks on the door, and she won't open the door. He starts rattling the door, and she says, get away. There was a window. He busts the window out, came in that house. She's saying, I said, it's over. He takes a gun. And blows her into eternity. A little girl standing there. Seen it all happen. Her mama got shot. There was a man giving a little seminar to amateur snake handlers. This man given this seminar to these amateur snake handlers warned them most snake bites take place to the amateur when they go to put it down. That thing's crawled over them. They've got relaxed. They just put it down. And when they do that, snake bites them. We'll tell you something. There's some of you playing with things. You think you can just lay it down anytime you get good and ready.
it ain't like that. You got a work to do for the Lord. You're, you're so valuable to the kingdom. And the devil, some of you young ladies, you need to be careful who you're talking to. You need to be careful. You need to be careful what you're involved in. You're God's chosen vessel. I'm preaching to God's chosen vessels right now. You're wanted by heaven. Heaven wants you. Heaven wants you to work for, for, for God. And heaven's wanting you to do faith. Heaven wants you to teach Bible studies. And heaven wants you to go on the highways and the hedges and compel them to come. But hell wants to destroy you. Would you reach over and pray for somebody close to you right now? God, in your name. Come on, some of you's got your hands on somebody that's being fought by hell right now. I plead the blood of Jesus right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over every young person in this building right now. I plead the blood of Jesus right now. I plead the blood of the Lamb. Come on. Come on. You got your hand on somebody that's valuable. You got your hand on somebody that needs to be doing a work for God. Come on, preacher son. Come on. Come on, preacher son. You're a high value target to the devil. Come on, preacher son. Some of you ought to be preaching the gospel right now. But you're so distracted with all of the distractions of the devil. Come on. Somebody be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. I plead the blood over this congregation. Every man and woman right now. Every young person. In Jesus' name. Come on, youth leaders, help us pray. Come on, youth leaders. There are some of you right now. You've got people in your youth group that are so valuable to the kingdom of God. But the distractions of hell, they're not doing anything for God. They're valuable. They're valuable. Hell's fighting them. The devil's fighting them. The devil's trying to distract them. Come on, I plead the blood. Come on, this is a life-changing service. I plead the, I feel the Spirit of the Lord in this place right now. There's somebody made up in their mind. I fell for the last trick of the devil. I've been deceived. Yeah, I plead the blood right now. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. Put your hand on somebody. If you can't think of anything to say, just start pleading the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. Come on, preacher's son. I'm pleading the blood over you. Come on, preacher's daughter. I'm pleading the blood over you. Come on, second generation. I'm pleading the blood over you. You have such a home court advantage. You know so much about the gospel. You know so much about the work of God. We need you in this church. We need you operating and functioning in the kingdom of God.
Somebody ought to pray till they're talking in tongues. Somebody ought to pray till they're talking in tongues. When you're talking in tongues, go pray for somebody else till they're talking in tongues. Let's turn this into an Acts 2.38 party today. Let's turn this into a place where the Holy Ghost is being felt. The devil's made you believe you're not wanted. You're wanted. You're not just wanted. You're needed. We need you in the kingdom. We need every young people. Every young person. We need everybody. We need you. We need you. You're valuable to the kingdom of God. You're valuable. Simon! Simon Satan hath desired to have you come on if you would be sensitive to the Holy Ghost come on every preacher be sensitive to the spirit you're standing close to somebody that needs a breakthrough you're standing close to somebody that needs deliverance you're standing close to somebody that the devil has tried to make them think they're not important but they're important they're important they're important Coming home, the paths of sin too long I've tried, but now I'm coming home. Come on, we're not in a hurry. Pray for somebody. Put your hand on somebody. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Give them a breakthrough in the spirit today, God. Let them pray through the day. anointed in this house touch every young person let the lukewarm get on fire bring the backslider back in the day come on you know where that young person is you know where they're at I want you to go to them I want you to pray for them come on it's not embarrassing to them don't let them go to hell 
Hallelujah. Come on. Be sensitive, young folks. Come on. Go encourage somebody. Go encourage somebody. Go encourage somebody. Go encourage somebody. You're valuable. You're valuable. But you're a target. You're a target. Hell's been targeted. Yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Oh.